myself a big fat chicken sandwich when all of this is over. <laughs> okay. I'm hungry. Eventually, I was able to speak Spanish and English fluently, which led to the discovery of both Spanish and English. Spanglish. This is the one and only Vero Fuerte hitting you back up with another episode of In Living Spanglish. That's right, it's your girl over here with her favorite co-host, my only co-host if we don't count Frankie. It's uh, Ricardo Mexicano. Say what's up to the people, my man. Until uh, Frankie learns how to speak any sort of language, I'm going to remain here in my position. So yeah. I feel like I can understand his different meows, at least his different dialects. He's been sick for like the past two days, so I feel like we've bonded since then. You know, we are one. That's great, but until like the vast majority of like the human population can understand some form of like, you know. Cat meow language. Yeah, well, yeah. He really doesn't meow. He like whimpers and it's been killing me because he hasn't been eaten. But yeah, that's he's going to remain an unemployed uh, uh, meow speaker. Yeah. You know? To yeah, put it, yeah. you know, yeah, put it very simply. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, good to be here again. Got another great show for y'all. But uh, as always, Veronica, hit them with the uh, the Latino, La- Latina, Latinx, whatever birthday. That's right. Okay, well, the Latinx birthday today, you guys, we have a big one. So happy, happy birthday uh, this past week to the famed Pedro Fernandez. Uh, you already know who it is. It's Ranchera Singer's son, uh, Vicente Fernandez. And this, I actually was trying to ask you off of air. Is Pedro Fernandez the same little boy that, like, st- do you remember that? Did you ever watch that movie when you were uh, a little kid growing up called uh, La Niña con la Mochila Azul? O algo así? Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I don't know if that was him. because it- I think it was him. Now, let me go ahead and Google it real quick because, you know, this is like show prep that we should have done. Because he's like 40-something. So yeah, if you saw that show in the 90s, he would have been... It wasn't a show. It was a movie. movie. If you would have yeah. saw, saw the movie in the 90s, hola. he, he would have been a... Hello, hello. Let me talk to Google. A grown adult. Um, what was it? La Niña con la Mochila Azul movie. Pedro Fernandez. I don't know. I feel like he would have been... Was he a teenager in that movie? No, he was like a little kid. See, it was. Okay, so. Was it him? La Niña de la Mochila Azul. I'm pulling up Wikipedia right now, our number one trusted resource. Mm-hmm. You know. That, I go to it for everything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. It is Pedrito Fernandez. Okay, so See, when what he year was, was little. Made? It was made in 1979. See, that makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Yes, that okay. was like one of the few, like. Like, all Spanish movies, uh, that VHSs that my dad would, like, put on, like, over and over and over. And this is the, uh, what was that big famous song that came from that? It was Amigo de Alma. I haven't seen that movie. I think I saw that movie one time Bruh. in my life. I can't remember anything from every, it. You don't know that song? Mm-mm. Like, every time I hear that song, like, I, like, it just, like, it's a well of emotions. It's like Amigo de Alma. It's like my soul friend. It's beautiful. Anyway, so... Happy, happy birthday to Pedro Fernandez. Thank you for giving me my one of my favorite childhood movies. Uh, so shout out to that. Um, moving on, folks, we have a very special guest today. Um, 
I kind of met him like I meet most of my friends and how we meet most of our friends nowadays is just through the internet and through random happenstance, you know, because what is actual socialization anymore, especially during COVID times? Pero he is the one, the only Andres Hernandez, also known as his Instagram handle, uh, Tunes the Good Life. He is a good friend of mine, super, super talented guy, amazing artist, and just an all-around awesome um, dude and entrepreneur here in local Fort Worth. So we wanted to go ahead and sit down and chat with him. Did I ever tell you about how I came across you? Wait, so first off, Tunes, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I have to know. Do you want us to call you by Tunes or Andres? I suppose I'm more known as Tunes than Andres. People okay. will start getting worse, like, oh, that's your name, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's my name. It's my government name. But yeah, Tunes, I'll take that. Okay, awesome, awesome. Cool. Tunes, it is. <laughs> so... Tell us a little bit about yourself, Tunes, before I go into how I found out about you. Well, I can go. I go by Tunes. Um, I'm an artist. I like to claim. I'm um, just like anyone else, just living about life, wondering about, finding about myself, and learning about myself. Just like anyone else, I just happen to go a different route to where I feel. Everyone has a purpose in life instead of just being born to live. So that's a little bit of where my mindset's at. I feel to introduce myself once. <laughs> yeah. What did you, um, what did you, what do you call home? Like, what did you grow up? Like, what did you, uh, grow up in these streets, you know? The squeaks? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I would say, uh, Southside for sure. Southside. Oh, so Fort Worth is where you were born and raised? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. So what, like, uh, what side of uh, 35, I'm guessing? Um, 35 in seminary. seminary. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, we're on the taco trucks, Juanitos, all that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like, we're not, and I'm pretty sure if you listen to, like, other episodes you of the podcast. You already know that we're transplants. Yeah, yeah, we're not yeah. originally from here, so we're still learning, like, you know, a lot of, like, the areas, the you know. All the tackle spots, yeah. what, like that, uh, respond to my story that you gave me the other day, and you're like, those tacos are too damn expensive, bruh. Wrong oh, turn. the tacos, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're good. The breakfast is actually pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what was life like, uh, just kind of growing up on that side? Um, it was interesting, i say, just seeing everything change from back then to now i mean back then yeah you know had the whole gangs and stuff like that but i mean it's just like ain't real honestly mm-hmm. with a pretty um and it just felt co- it just feels like supernatural be home be around home and it's good to see the people slowly come back together in these times of gentrification whether right being mm-hmm. said or not you know with a pretty um uh, diverse or with it kind of like just like one because, you know, you have certain, like, you know, pockets, of course, in the city when it comes to, like, Mexicans, you know, yeah, um, yeah. black side, uh, we're predominantly white. So, were they kind of, like, diverse where you stay or were they kind of uh, just more, uh, more um, just one one kind of people group, I guess? I mean, it's dominantly Mexicans, but, of course, you know, you have a few white kids and um, black community coming in. Yeah. But, I mean, mostly Mexicans, you know? Okay. 
Gotcha. I feel like you and I got to know each other, of course, like, again, like, the internet is a funny thing, but I remember it was back in January. I think you and I, you and I, the were out for a walk. and yeah. Cold as hell that day. Yes, it was cold as hell that day. It, and I remember walking in Trinity Park, I forget what section that we were on, and suddenly I see the, this giant-ass pillar, and it had, like, Space Jam characters on it, right? And I was yeah. walking past it, and underneath it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I saw the tag underneath it, it says, Tunes the Good Life. And I'm like, I'm going to follow him just because. And, like, here we are. And here I, we are. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I have to tell you, like, since then, like, I've, you know, kept up with your work through your page and all of that. And Thank you. You, of course, and you do some really amazing stuff. How long have you been... Uh, how long have you been doing murals for the community, and is that the only type of work that you do around here? Um, it's funny you say that. I've actually started since last year doing murals for the community. Um, prior to that, I was still training myself to be better when I do come out onto a wall. Um, it's been fun, though. It's been very cool. Made more community leaders, more community people. Um, while I'm painting, some people will come up like, hey, like, you're doing a great job. Like, we love this. Thank you. And I just, you have to be humble with it no matter what. You know, thank you not only to yourself, but to everyone who supports you. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, so you, you, you said you've been doing it like, uh, for like a year now. Um, yes. Do you think there's still like that stigma a lot of time when it comes to like, graffiti artists or like you know people who 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 use like public spaces to like you, you know get offended when people call it graffiti like is that like a weird sour term now or can you just call it whatever well honestly that's a big thing that's going on right now yeah mm. because since last year all these graffiti artists mm-hmm. quote unquote because i have a lot to say right right leading to that quote um there's been a lot of confusion within the traditional styles of going through that whole those milestones to call yourself that okay some of us have done like the whole legal thing train train yards um some people just like to quote unquote bomb which is basically doing little throw-ups around the city like hollows hollows are just outlines of your name and kind of like bubble letters but mm-hmm. some people play around with letters it's just endless styles coming coming about but lean back to when i say quote unquote the graffiti um, it's gotten to the point where people can get a spray can, not even starting off with a sketch, put something that they see from online. So, oh, embarrassment on some part, but it's also on the terms to where there are no rules in graffiti. <laughs> it's just one of those things like right. There's unwritten laws, there's unworded bonds, but in the end, graffiti, there's no definition to it. Just like art, which leads, you know, graffiti to come into those terms of art. It has a certain style to where you can call it graffiti, but in the end, it's still art. So there's no definition to it. (laughs) There's no um, visual way you can say it's like, this is what graffiti is. There's no particular style that goes along with it. Basically. Yes, and it can start from back then. You can see the evolution to now. It's pretty wacky, but it's very interesting to see and live within these times from growing up, seeing all the stuff back then, the old school documentaries, the videos, um, the way hip-hop helped change graffiti and music itself to what it is now. 
So, so do you think there's still that stigma with maybe a lot of people who are like outside of like the culture where the like maybe it's more accepting now to where, you know, back then law enforcement and like people in general may not appreciate that. Hey, this artist is tagging up a, uh, the side of like an apartment building or like, you know, whatever it may be. Do you think it's become uh, more accepted nowadays that, Hey, this is a piece of art and it should remain here. Or are you, how do you feel about that? About like just people, how they feel about uh, just murals on public spaces nowadays? That's a pretty funny question because while I was doing the Space Jam, I actually got the cops caught on me several times mm -hmm. thinking I was just doing illegal stuff. So I know I'm commissioned by the city. And it's pretty wild to think these people are calling the cops on me when in about five years, 10 years, 20 years, et cetera, their kids are going to be taking pictures with the artists. So, oh, yeah. like, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. So, well, I called the cops on him thinking he was doing graffiti or it's very hard to explain nowadays especially in a city like Fort Worth to where it's very very conservative compared to Dallas you go to Dallas you're going to see it all over the place deep Ellum, the freeways the highways the streets of course and over here as soon as you see something the city's going to come in buff it out super quick just yeah. because they want to maintain that level of um cleanliness or, or the, how they perceive cleanliness, yeah presentation exactly visualization yeah, yeah, yeah. to feed the touring people who are coming in which I understand. I mean, that's just but life. It's, I don't know, but don't you think so, it's? I suppose. Yeah, don't you think it's kind of like, I don't know if ironic is the right word. Maybe hypocritical, because like you said, the evolution of what people, the fine line between what people consider graffiti and what people consider murals that like are like young twenty-something like blondes <laughs> like like stand next to in order to get that Instagram picture is like a very fine line, you know, depending on like the 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 different styles, you know, and the way that people perceive what was once in like the 80s used to be you know tagging up a wall and you know uh tearing down the value of that particular business now small businesses are hiring out you know muralists and uh, different artists in order to get more attention to their small businesses on the side of their stores you know i mean i feel like in community like already it's a good thing because we're smaller businesses and then they have property value. It keeps us from being kicked out by the man, basically. So I'm definitely down with that. Whether it's being paid or not, that's actually something I want to do more for the Southside community. So kind of, you kind of uh, mentioned uh, hip hop uh, a little bit well, when you were talking about just graffiti and all that and how it kind of like helped bring like exposure to it. Do you think um, just with hip hop being what it is nowadays, just being this commercial thing in the industry, in the music industry, do you think sometimes people forget of like how graffiti was like rooted in hip hop back when it was like you know in its infancy back in like the eighties, uh, and how graffiti very much was you know intricate and in you know, and like the mute and and the MC and the DJing and uh, and breaking you know uh, and I think nowadays if you were to ask somebody very young they probably don't think that graffiti is linked to hip hop the way it was and you know you gotta how do you feel about that? It is a little bit sad but you know as roots are coming back from illegal stuff and being frowned upon still it's still slowly being accepted and trendy within music and art city water maybe uh it's really hard to explain on <laughs> it's just my best thing i could say is that us holders can still carry on the culture so that way future generations can come up while we're doing these murals and paintings and they still see it on the streets like oh you know i want to know 
what does that mean? I want to go see him pants. Like, oh, maybe one day you hear this kid behind you. It's like, oh, I want to grow up, be like them, influencing to where hopefully that influence can carry that little spark onward towards the future to keep on evolving graffiti from what it is now. <laughs> it's never ending, just like life. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so how does, because I'm really curious about this, how does how does someone even get to be commissioned to, by the city in order to do a mural, you know, to be quote unquote on the up and up, like, you know, especially when you're seen as one way. So <laughs> I really can't give you a straight answer about that just because the way I got it was just by being myself, catching any, any commission, any art piece coming my way. It's like, Hey, do you want to paint this? What do you want? Do you want to paint that? And being ambitious at the time, it's like, come on, like, I'll take it, you know, let's go this weekend, next weekend, um, tomorrow night, tomorrow morning. And for me, be commissioned by city was a blessing in disguise because one of the people who reached out to me one day was um, this man named Ricky Cottle. Now, Ricky Cottle had hit me up to go paint Riverside Middle School and help out with the changes they're going, going through their school. It's a very old building, so they kind of want a piece to brighten up the building, in which I have went in, I painted their mascot, which is the Eagles, and kind of had like an energy bond in its mouth to like, you know, bring more out to the school. Like, hey, you know, it's a very colorful piece. It pops out as soon as you walk out the gym. Like, you know, I want to see that as soon as I step out. And then a couple of months later, he hit me up about doing something at the any basketball courts, courts, excuse me, um, across from the art courts. Yeah. After completing the Space Jam, a couple of months later, that same man, Ricky Cotto, I did not know he works for Texas Health Resources. So Texas Health Resources is um, launching out this project called the Blue Zone Power Nine Project, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be a national thing, and there's nine principles per one. And basically, I'm the one that's kicking it off. So... It just happened to be a word of mouth. It happened to be just a surprise to me to be actually commissioned by the city and Texas Health Resources to do such a project that fell into my lap. I didn't reach out to no one. It slowly came to me, and I'm thankful for such, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. big thing. Were you were you always, like, the artist's friend growing up, you know, in your friend group? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, look at my friend. He can draw you a Pokemon, like that sort of thing. Through elementary high in elementary, middle school, high school, but after going to college, I became like a party boy, a party and drunk type of thing. Still, so I kind of lost myself around that time. Mm. About five years to be exact. <laughs> but yeah, I was always that person deep down. That's my soul. Nowadays, if I'm not doing some artistic, I'm slowly dying like, through the soul. So, do you find yourself kind of doing uh, pieces? Uh, just for the love of it or are you finding more like professional work you know where people are like hey I see not just like murals but just anything like hey I, I got this idea and I want to see like your your input on it I want you to design like this poster whatever it may be you know do you do you, do you find a lot of that nowadays I'm actually taking a good break from commissions right now okay only because I want to focus on more personal stuff through um my mind and the past year I've actually been focusing a lot on anatomy only because I want to get more into realism and be like the big heads, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, 
um, several people who do still hold those old traditional ways to where they can create a human being from the mind and still looking at a reference picture. And it's a very hard thing to do. <laughs> I'll be able, my personal stuff, tunes, I have that cartoon hip hop style. So I can look at someone or something and create a graffiti character out of it. And which I'm still trying to get back to my roots. So that's why I want to do more personal things. Slowly getting back into lettering. I stepped away from lettering for a long, long time to get more into realism and characters itself. A lot of things, it's just been so overwhelming to where I have to take a break, disconnect, to reconnect into the world, the matrix, whatever it may be, and to respect myself as a better artist and an artist as one. For sure, absolutely. And so... And so growing up with all of this passion for art and design and everything that you had in there, uh, what were some of the uh, some of your favorite cartoons to watch growing up that, you know, kind of inspired you? It's like, oh, I like the way they, you know, the animation is here, you know, that sort of thing. Well, for sure, it started with anime. And as a boy growing up, you love Dragon Ball Z automatically. Mm-hmm. But I started venturing off into Gundam. Um, Yu Yu Hakusho, Cowboy Bebop, Outlaw Star, a bunch of 90s type of anime. Yeah. And after that, that's when I started watching Cartoon Network. So, of course, I love Hershey, Cowardly Dog, Ed, Ed and Eddie, Hey Arnold. Those are probably like my big ones just because the different storylines they had, the different topics they had. Even as a kid, I somewhat, when you look at Curse the Cowardly Dog now, the first eight episode is Super Satanic. It's Hotel Sits Sits, and then you have the cat portrayed as a devil it's like well you know like i got the kid but seeing that's, that's pretty dark and i like that but <laughs> well, yeah. you know like almost said he said wow yeah 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 okay and then from from that did you kind of like so i'm guessing that was that kind of like the initial spark of like hey this is like something that i really want to like maybe you didn't know it yet but at the time you were like hey this is something that i really like and that well, i want to kind of like venture into like let me see what else is out there as far as like this art, you know, not just cartoons, but like, let me, let me venture into like graffiti. Let me venture into like, you know, Renaissance paintings, you know, whatever it may be that, well, that kind of like the, what kind of got the ball rolling for you? Actually, I think sometime in middle school, I went through that whole troll of face, you know, the dickies, the brown, oh, yeah. the, the hairnet. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did not have no hairnet. No, yeah, I rock no, the hairnet. Hair like, <laughs> dude, my hair is like super curly. So me and okay. him, I couldn't do split back. I couldn't spike it up. So I got the typical fade, and <laughs> I guess that's what was popping off. I didn't I didn't know. It was yeah, wacky. Yeah. But during that time, I was doing the whole Bayaso drawings, the little old mm. English, little tattoo style. Until one day, um, it was actually my mom that helped get me into it. So back then, just kind of like everyone else, we, kinda, we were still in cable, you know, HBO, mm. stars, all mm. that good stuff. And there's a documentary called Rock Fresh. Now, um, one day I was drawing, my mom was like, hey, uh, mijo, come check this out. So, okay, cool, you know. I sat down and I fell in love with it automatically. The first um, thing I seen was this dude named Coffee. His name's Coffee because his color palette references very like earthy brown tones, green tones, dark tones, nothing bright and poppy like graffiti's used to see. And he had this crazy style. Like, I'm not sure if y'all can see uh, the tattoo. But 
Uh, probably not. Yeah, a little bit. But it has like architectural roots to where he started bringing this into the graffiti game. So I'm already getting introduced to two, two different styles at one time. And as the documentary proceeds on, you start seeing more old school cats who have that very 70s, 80s style, the bright colors, the bold outlines, the crazy fruities, and all this is their name. It's not even um, a word or a phrase. It's just a name specifically. So you already see two different worlds clashing. But at that time, I still didn't know anything about that until we start seeing it nowadays in everyday life as a graffiti artist. <laughs> okay. Right, right. And so I guess like with all of that in uh, speaking of your mom now, we all know that like uh, Latinas and Latinos pretty much get a lot of them end up getting stereotyped as, you know, like the the, the guy in the back of the class that can draw, you know, that sort of thing. Were yeah, your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was your mom was your mom always uh, supportive of how talented you were with and how talented and how passionate you were with all of your drawings and things like that, or did he, or did she ever tell you, like, no, mijo, you have to think outside of the box. You have to do something different. Oh, no, I feel super down with it. When I got caught up the first time, just like, oh, mijo, like, it's okay. Like, we're still going to your art show tonight, bro. It's like, yeah, mom. That is I mean, so I have, dope. I go My mom would whatever, fucking but... kill me. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, she even took me to go get Whataburger after I got out. It's like, okay, cool. You know, my dad's like, ugh. Bro. It's funny because, um, <laughs> okay, so first of all, my dad's the one who got me into drawing um, as a kid. He's drawing me little, um, little comic strips in a way, stick figures, and he used to draw little things from, um, I'm a big gamer, actually, so from the 90s, the old school Game Informer, Resident Evil was popping off. So I was like, oh, Dad, like, I like these zombies. Like, can you draw that? He'll draw them. And then from the guns, I'll kind of like shoot little blanks, make a little scene going on. So it was funny. He's the one who got me into art. But when I got caught up, the first time, he was super salty about it. Mm. We were so quiet going to Whataburger. There's a train that crosses on Hemp Hill and Elizabeth Street. And as the train was crossing, there's some tags on there, some pieces. And my dad's all like, mm, look, graffiti. All like sarcastic <laughs> and shit. It's like, do yes. I already know? Like, it kind of like annoying me, but I'm a kid. I just got out, whatever, you know. It's like, whatever, you know. We still going to March, Joe right? It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Very wacky times. My dad's, they both, if, if I'm doing a commission or a mural, sometimes they'll come out and show some support, you know, the mom wants to bring like lunch or something like that. It's like, here, me, I brought you Chick Fil A. Here's a Coke. Here's a water for later. Here's some. Um, here's a water for your friend. If I'm painting with someone, whatever it may be. Everybody loves that damn sweet woman. <laughs> then my dad come check it out. So, oh, me, that's cool. Hell yeah. That's awesome. So it's good to see they're both at the same level mm -hmm. to what I'm trying to achieve. <laughs> were you a Were you a single kid um, growing up, or did you have any siblings? Um, I had siblings, but they were kind of scattered out. I had, yeah, I was kind of the only single kid growing up, basically. So stuff like that, I have to like go make my own friends and go hang out, just enjoy my own me time. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, were any of them into art as well, as far as like drawing or just kind of like doing it for fun? I believe two my brothers did one of them he used to actually tag with some of the older cats from Southside and then 
my other brother, brother from Austin, he liked anime too. So he's a big Vegeta fan. He'll take Vegeta, mm-hmm. copy him in a way, add a beard to look like himself, yeah. and then put United States Marine Corps tattooed on his arm. It's like, man, damn, well, Vegeta won't work for that shit. But I mean, it was cool. It was inspiring at that time because they were a lot better than me. It was something I've never seen. <laughs> but yeah, they're probably like the only two artistic ones. Um, my other sister, she was probably more artistic in the way of like getting tattoos, but other than that, she really didn't draw or anything like that. So outside uh, outside of your brothers and sisters, uh, have you been able to cultivate a community or just, you know, people around you that we want to make sure that they get the love, especially, you know, the, the smaller known people or the people on the up and up? Have you, have you been able to meet a lot of people like you that are really trying to make a name for themselves or just express themselves in a more public space right now? That's kind of yes and no answer, only because when it comes to the art community in Fort Worth, they're very, I really didn't think we were, I mean, I knew we were going to talk about this, but I was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So the art community in Fort Worth is very weird. Basically, it's like its own clique. If you're not in that art community, you're not going to be in type of mm. shit. And it's pretty sad because some of these cats who come out trying to do the whole graffiti thing, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, you're not about to do, you know, you're not about the culture. But finding more within the community of other graffiti artists, yes, I can definitely say for sure I found um, my tribe in a way. I'm still meeting new people, new cats that I used to just like read about in magazines or see them on Instagram. So that's always, that's always pretty damn cool. But the art community itself, it's very closed-minded, I feel, within working with each other. And not only like the art community, but I feel like the city itself, within the hip-hop or the music community, the, um, the bar community, if you're not within that community, you're seen as an outsider or they don't even want to let you in. They feel in the, their comfort zone. And there's also internal conflicts, external conflicts with other artists, which, I mean, it's bound to happen. It's just me specifically. I, I, I do my best to stay away from it. Um, stay away from it. Stay off social media as much as I can. Except if I want to post something, maybe do a swipe or two. It's like, I'm done. I don't want to say anything, you know? So do you think that has to do with, like, people trying to be, like, gatekeepers to, like, the certain scene that's been going on? And, like, do you think they feel like there's not enough... Uh, it's not enough uh, to go around. Yeah, like like not everybody can eat, right? They're like, no, no, this is my space. I've dominated here for a while, and you can't have have, have any of this. You know, it's not. They feel it's like scarcity, man. Yeah, yeah, it's scarcity, not enough scarcity, scarcity money. It's not enough money to go around. You know, do you think it's like that kind of mindset? Anyway, yeah, especially I feel most of it's based on race, mm. with Fort Worth being a very um, conservative city. Basically, <laughs> if you're white, you you have the job already, real mm. quick. No matter if you have that technique to where you can very respect it, or if you have that funk, that real funk pop style that's super, in my opinion, I feel like it's super easy to do. Anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. But just because you have that ethnicity, now it's like, oh, wow, like put this on a building list, you know, put the hashtag so we can tag you and take photos all day, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can also tell from. I guess I'll, I'll consider myself it too, but within that community, the coconuts, <laughs> I'll just straight up say whitewash themselves to be accepted within that community. It's like, okay, you know, we have this person now, like, he 
he or she speaks for the whole Latin community now. Right. We need them in here, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, the, whatever, you know? They're the token of that, of, that, of that little group now. Yeah. Do you feel like in moments like, you know, right now, like Hispanic Heritage Month, stuff like that, do you feel like that's when, you know, white community leaders take that opportunity to, like, hire out, like, Latinx artists, people of color, uh, artists of color, things like that. But when the month is over, what what do you get? Like I said, we haven't kept up with social media lately, especially within the community. So I'm not very too sure about that. Maybe there's the possibility anything can happen. Well, not anything happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen hmm. with the way our city is. Right. Um, then again, it could just be like a whole trend right now going on yeah. that we can all be doing, or I, I might even be a part of it. And I'm not knownly <laughs> aware about it. And I understand what you mean, Andres, because like for me personally, I think that there's always this weird fine line of like us, especially, you know, like having a podcast or having any sort of like creation where, you know, us as like Latinos or uh, however you identify, you want to express yourself, you and you want to like express, you know, how proud you are, your culture, this, that and the other. Sometimes I'll be honest, like I have trouble doing it without feeling like I'm selling out or performing for, you know, white community leaders and things like that, you know, because they're going to love it. They're going to love whatever I do only because I'm brown and because like, like Ricardo said, I'm a token. So do you ever struggle with that fine line of like taking a commission for this, that and the other no, I mean you need to eat. You need the money. So where do you where do you rationalize that in your head? I say well, just because I haven't had so many commissions from the white community or whatever it may be, I just try to eat, like you say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess it's kind of like uh, like do you have it? Do you do you find a hard time withholding like your integrity? You know, feel like you're not being like pandered around, or you're not trying to pander to somebody. Like do this because this is who you really are. And not because somebody's trying to get something out of me, you know, and make me look like a fool in the end, you know? No, because I can probably tell a client or a potential prospect already how they're going to be. And even then with my art style, it's probably something they don't like. They probably want the typical realism, the typical, oh, we want to pour my tend to my personal dreams and live out whatever sketch i have in my book i want to put this on the wall instead of what someone else wants to do and yeah i may eat but sometimes you have to have that balance of okay you're gonna get this money and <clears throat> um exposure from doing this of course but is this really you going up onto the wall or is it just like another picture from um google compared mm-hmm. to like mine some i have them in the book from like maybe years back maybe something i did the other day it's just a sketch but hey you know let's put down walls okay cool you know for sure i'm down like this is my art for sure definitely coming on to something but because i really haven't had too much clientele with that mindset my ideas from sketches happened to come out on paintings i've recently turned into more of a canvas wood painter within the past year and a half just because i know not many people are going to want what I do naturally. And that's probably where 
the whole illegal graffiti starts coming in because you can go on a train or underneath the bridge, somewhere secluded, and you can piece up exactly what you want, how you want it, when you want it, how long you want it, and no one can tell you shit, basically. Mm. Yeah. I mean, are they going to go and look for it and find it? Oh, you know, we found it. It's on Wicker. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So do you have any nieces and nephews from your brothers and sisters, anything like that, sobrinos? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I have maybe like seven, nine nieces. <laughs> what do you What do you tell the kids coming up, you know, that want to get into art, that want to, you know, do what you do, you know, because they see their Theo and they're, they see, you know, uh, working with all this uh, with all this amazing canvas work and mirrorless work and things like that. And what would you say to them, you know, growing up in the city of, uh, if they were to grow up in the city of Fort Worth, what piece of advice would you give them? Don't get into trouble, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, don't be, don't let anything consume you to where you want to be an artist. So you have to work for it. That includes you have to make sacrifices, whether it's partying or <clears throat> hanging out with certain people. Um, you just have to maintain that, that goal and keep that mindset. I know it's very hard because growing up you start becoming more exposed to so many different lifestyles like you want a taste of it you want to live it maybe and if you really are an artist it's always going to be in your heart to where in the back of your mind it's like i have to do this like why is it in the back of my mind all the time it's eating me what's eating me i have to feed it now start feeding that ambition and yes you may not be the best at first but no one was no one just popped out the womb it's like hey I'm Picasso all of a sudden, or I'm Michelangelo. It takes time, it takes dedication, it takes the ambition, the mindset, everything. I'm not even going to say it's stressful. It's just a very consuming thing as an artist, I feel sometimes. Consuming, that's a good word. But I wouldn't tell them that. I wouldn't tell them that if they're at age eight asking me that question until post high school. It's, oh, hey, um, you know, congrats, you know, he graduates. Like, let me tell you about art real quick now, about that message that I left you about 10 years ago, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that that about wraps up the interview. Thank yep, you yep. so much, Tunes. Oh, for sure. Um, Thank you, both of y'all, for having me on. Yeah, shout out your uh your social media and all that, where they can yeah, find you. Any anything that you want to shout out, go ahead and uh, give it to them. Um, shout out to my Instagram handle, at Tunes to Good Life, T-O-O-O-N-S-T-H-E-G-O-O-D-L-I-F-E. Um, shout out, Note, Edder, Joe Skills, Psyker, KTK, the homie OB, Sneeko, um, all my homies from Dallas and stuff who put me on two walls, got to pay nets too. Um, shout out to the folks. Shout out to anyone who's just trying to be an artist or even living the, their dreams itself, just maintain don't get distracted don't lose yourself man that's fun right. yeah. shout cool. out wise yeah, yeah yeah all right man i appreciate it uh you know continue like you said uh striving you know uh your 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 art itself already you know speaks volumes and uh you know we just wish you the best in the future thank you yeah man oh yeah definitely i was i was looking forward to this all day that's why i said i was lis listening to y'all's episodes trying to catch the vibe from y'all i love it y'all fucking hilarious you know like <laughs> I love y'all's topics, you know. Um, the one with Rebecca Nahera, that was pretty dope. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, I love her. I love one. her. Yeah. She's yeah. so great. All the guys are like, the fuck you laughing at? I was like, man, dude, like, this podcast is wild and it's just tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's 
sure will. Hey, thank you for the love. Hey, if you have ever have any questions or heck, you already know where to reach me. You know, hit me up with a DM for anything, anytime. And thank you, Tunes. Again, I really appreciate you. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you. All right. We're back. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that interview with uh, Tunes, really dope person. Check out his art. Like he said, he mentioned his uh, handle at the very end. I love him. What a sweetheart. What a dope person. I love him to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really great having him on the show. So our first little topic order business. I feel like we talk about things kind of like too heavy sometimes, Vettel, which is necessary. Yeah. You know, it's nothing wrong with talking about it a little it's bit more. It's a heavy world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sometimes it's not so heavy. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's what you make it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's necessary. But this time I kind of want to talk about... Uh, something from the past that maybe a lot of people haven't talked about in a while. Maybe it's like just kind of like lost in the memory Blast of like. Lost from the past. Like I have blocked this. Uh, you know what? We should have mentioned it actually to tunes now that You're I think right. about you it. Know, just yeah, because it's, cause it's um, art. Yeah. Yeah, it's all yeah. art. Um, he would have. He would have gotten a kick out of it. So if you're if you were a little. A Hispanic boy or girl growing up in the late 90s or the 2000s, you maybe frequent the, the the paneria, maybe your local Mexican supermarket. Um, you probably would have ran into like little, little vending machine, little capsule vending machine. You know, whether it had the little little hand that stretches and like slaps your friend in the face, whether it had like or you, you know, would beg your mommy or your puppy for a quarter, yeah, or know? two quarters, you know, to get the really good one. Oh, you yeah, know, that's the right. the fake tattoos. The, the awesome sticker that you can put on your binder and show off to your friends. You know, a plethora of things. But one of the big things, and for people who don't know this, this is still the the, the highest-selling vending toy ever in the United States. I did not know that. Yes. A blast from the past, like Veronica says. The homies. Do you remember this, Veronica? I remembered it as soon as you said the word, because I they have not come to the realm of the front of my like consciousness in like i don't know i would say a good 15 years i've not thought about these things bro like I, how would you describe it to somebody who doesn't know what the homies are so the homies to kind of put it um in a very like and to like summarize it it was this like group of like vinyl toys that was created by uh, a comic book or, or you just say artists in general i think because i think they originally started off as like a comic strip uh created by david gonzalez um, and what they were was pretty much kind of like a, a representation of like the Cholo, Cholo action figures kind of, yeah. But... Like, like the Hispanic, like community kind of personified in toys, you know, like yeah. you had like different, uh, a variety of characters, you know, and one was like maybe the super funny one. One was like the suave slick bag hero one. One was like mm-hmm. the one that you didn't want to mess with. You know, you yeah. had the, the sexy, and you see the oversized, you know, like baseball jerseys, you know, the baggy pants, yeah. the, the do-rags, like was, all of that. It was very much rooted in, in like Cholo lowrider culture, mm-hmm. you know, predominantly from the, the West Coast. But of course, you know, that culture is kind of spread everywhere from like Arizona to Texas. You can find that thing anywhere. So that's what they were. Like mm-hmm. from the, from the jump, when these things came out, they were everywhere. Like when you went on, when you went to school, when you're on the bus, when you were like just talking to your friends in elementary school. Uh, they were it, and I'm pretty sure like even crossed over to like older adults because they just liked the design of it. Maybe, uh, maybe they didn't have the toys. Did you have like the uncle or the deal that would like have a bunch of them like lined up on his dashboard? I had the cousin. I had my older cousin. The, the cousin that would have like a bunch of them lined up on like, his dashboard against like his, his uh. He had like he had like the the the, the headrest that kind of uh-huh. had like a little shelf on it, so you could just like he just lined them up. Yeah. I had that. Now I kind of came into it 
not really knowing about the toys, but I knew more about the uh, the drawings. So like, I used to see like all the images. So like, I used to go on like homies dot uh, TV, which is still up, and like just. I never knew it was based off of like. Wait, you said it was based off of a comic strip. Originally, uh, David Gonzalez created a comic strip about it. Yeah. What based... was it like? Did it have some sort of plot? Or... Yeah, it said it said right here featured a cast of characters from its youth, introduced in the year nineteen ninety eight. So was it like, and, and like you have to conceptualize this for me because otherwise I'm not going to have any idea because I just know the action figures. So was this like our South Park, so to speak? It like, was. But like with the comic strip? I don't, I don't know. I don't know too much about the comic strip. I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not, I don't know too much about the history because of like. South Park, like what random ass like town were they based off of? In like, South Park. That's the name of the town. Uh, yeah, but like, what is that in the Midwest? Or? Oh, Colorado. It's it's a little tiny town in Colorado. Okay, all right. So like, homies outs- was based off of what? In, in like South Cali? Yeah, or? East LA. It, like to me, it was like its own universe, its own realm. Like, it captivated like the Hispanic community. I think in like in a way that I don't think anybody had ever seen a toy do because it finally like really like gave a lot of people like representation. You know, like they yeah. saw themselves in a lot of these characters. What are you talking about, like? I remember a Joker, you know, the super, like, fun. And, they, and, like, if you go to the website, you can see, like, a little bio about every single character. Like, it was some dope stuff. Like, you can, like, go to everybody uh, who is silent. You can go to... Uh, yeah, but, I mean, if you're honest, like, not a lot... Sad girl. Of, yeah, like, but not... Like, rarely any of us, like, just knew their names. We mostly just liked them because they looked cool. And like you said, like, maybe on a deeper level, like, they were a representation of us or, uh, or of loved ones that we knew. I personally never got into the homies but i was around them and i know like the i know my cousins my primos got really into them like i had one cousin lali that like you said would collect them and like every time he would get like 20 like a quarter or 50 cents or whatever he'd go up to the vending machines you know and he and he'd cop one of them and like he'd just keep it around or keep them in his pockets things like that and you know i had another primo that would collect you know pokemon cards so we all had our thing Mm -hmm. but i do feel like you're right i feel like people that really identified with that side of the culture really i don't know it didn't felt seen yeah they felt seen they felt like it was it was something because we really haven't had anything like that that didn't feel that didn't feel like a gimme as far as representation goes and that's why that's why it did so well like i said the highest selling vending vending machine toy ever Mm -hmm. over a million sold that's Mm -hmm. insane like and at the the height of it people who were in that industry of like uh, like had like vending machine businesses they, they were making a killing, an absolute killing off of just the homies. They could just sell homies and they'd be set. Uh, once the once the vending machine uh, industry kind of started started dying down, then you saw a lot of businesses kind of like close down because they just couldn't maintain because the homies just weren't uh, they weren't a thing anymore. You know, it kind of it kind of yeah, came and went. Yeah, come and go. So um, it's a thing. One of the big things that kind of like struck it early on was that a lot of people didn't like it because they kind of they saw it as a a negative representation a stereotype. Of, of stereotype and also like of gang life right because mm-hmm. a lot of them are, are you know let's not let's not kid ourselves a lot of them people who are probably based on this were probably gang affiliated you know like yeah. like and, and you know that, that's just the reality of thing i have a stance on that i don't think that ne- necessarily a negative thing that's just kind of like just how life is from the from the get uh yeah. you're gonna have a variety of, of characters and some of them may be doing some uh less than favorable things you know let's put it mm-hmm. at that um so that was one big thing that hit it off that that kind of like a lot of people didn't like but i think because of that you know how like negativity and like people telling you to like don't buy that don't look at that don't listen to that that usually 
will yeah, force you usually, to do the opposite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's We're rebellious I, as a culture. I know. Exactly. So that's what kind of the homies did. People were like saw it as like this like hip subculture, like oh it's negative. Like they're, they're representing gang life and, and people who don't really like listening to authority like that were probably like mm, let me check it out. Like mm-hmm. uh, like now question. Did homies come before or after the gigantic black t-shirts with, like, uh, Bugs Bunny and, like, Tweety Bird? So that happened, like, 04 or 05. This okay. happened in 98. Okay. So. All right. Like, you already you already know how I feel about those. I was never a big fan, you know, but to each his own. But I had no problem with the homies, you know, because, like, um, like I said, I had cousins that were really emphatic about it. And to me, it wasn't like they were blending two different kinds of, like... Uh, animations or cartoons and making it something that it wasn't you know it just it was they were strictly what they were and they weren't trying to be anything different and that's what was really refreshing about it i mean i'll be honest like i wasn't like super into them but i love the fact that they exist and like you said it was probably the last bit of representation i feel like that we've had in a while that didn't feel like you Mm -hmm. know trying to like trying to give us something just for the sake of oh look here here you are here you're representative so yeah for sure for sure shout out to the homies shout out to my cousin lali you know who loved those hoes you know yeah shout out to david gonzalez um and yeah like i said it was it was it was a time to be alive when this Mm -hmm. stuff was that was at its height all right vettel what you got next so I mean, just quick aside here. I don't know if uh, if anybody's seen, but there has been a Yeezy Gap announcement. Uh, we probably talk about Kanye and Issa Rae way too much on the show, courtesy of me. But I don't care. This is my podcast. No, okay. So, um, Yeezy Gap uh, came out with the new hoodies that they're going to be selling, and they're actually like themed off of his albums. Uh. Like, as far as the colors go, so you have the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, you have the Graduation, you have the TLOP, you have all of that good stuff. And how much did you say that they retailed for? They're $90 each, and they're already all sold out. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, there goes So good luck with the resales. Yeah, yeah, good luck with the resales. Um, But I don't know. I mean, to be quite honest with you, even if they weren't sold out, I don't know if I would cop them. Because you look at the design, literally, it's just a solid color that's, like, representative, like, you know, that maroonish yeah. magenta color that uh, My Beautiful Dark Fantasy mm-hmm. is? Like, that. that's just one solid color. Hoodie. I really like, wanted the uh, the brown one that was late registration. Late registration. Because I went to the website, and I was like, come on, have one in the large. And they didn't. They had the, the only side they had left was extra small. And I'm like, bro, like, hardly anybody ever buys that because hardly anybody wears extra small. You could have got one from... Oh, nah, I'm not You do not wear small. extra small. Uh, excuse you. And that's no offense to you. you excuse like, you. You, wear, you do not wear extra small, okay? But whatever. Let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so I have them pulled up here. They're pretty cool, yeah. To be honest, I mean, and maybe this is this whole, like, minimalism shit that I don't understand. I would not pay $90 for, like, a solid color hoodie and, like, nothing else just to say that they... And you know me, I love Kanye everything, but I don't know. I'm not about to do that stuff. I, so I do, I do hope the best for the company, and I hope that like he does come out with uh, like uh, I can't wait for they for when they come out with more Yeezy stuff, and uh, hopefully it'll be something that doesn't get sold out in like 0.5 seconds. So that's mine. Your next, your favorite. Uh, we haven't done an official poll on this, but like every time somebody brings up the podcast, people go crazy for this segment, and Mexicano just lives for it. So you guys, let's go ahead and stroke his ego once more with uh, Conspiracy Corner. Conspiracy Corner. Conspiracy Corner. The one and only, the 
come on, man. Like, like I said in the last podcast, the money maker. Like, there's is nothing. There's not. It's like pre conspiracy corner, post conspiracy corner when it comes to the podcast. Mm. Uh, and that's what I we wouldn't kinda... go that far, but okay. <laughs> it's like uh, was it uh, PC or maybe you should call it something else because both of them will be PC PC. So it's pre-post conspiracy corner, but I digress. Uh, anyway, so this week's conspiracy corner is uh, kind of a doozy, uh, and it kind of ties into a lo- like another conspiracy that I'm gonna get into, but not really too much. So, like I always do, I'm gonna start off with a question. Veronica, mm. have you ever heard of the hollow moon theory? No, no, I have not. So, Please elaborate. So. There are people out there that believe that the moon itself is hollow and that what we see as the moon is actually some sort of space structure uh, built by aliens to monitor the Earth. So within the moon, what we call the moon, according to these people, is uh, a bunch of uh, extra uh, extraterrestrials inside the moon kind of controlling... Recording us? Rec- whatever it may be. Con- controlling, uh, Recording us, maybe controlling us, maybe sending down signals. To, to humans down on earth through the moon uh and that is the moon's actual purpose and that it's not this giant piece of like rock that just you know comes out at night so are you saying that in theory these aliens are controlling the waves uh yeah in a sense yeah because we say that the moon controls the waves right yeah, it, it affects you know the and waves in the so ocean does that mean they all that the aliens are also the ones that control the moods of these zodiac bitches that like say oh no i like you know like heat up your car because like my moon was in libra i think it's gonna Saturday. i think it's gonna know too much yeah I, I don't know i'm literally just making stuff up i don't understand the zodiac but you know like i don't know it's a it's a it's a theory it's a theory. It's a crazy theory. And this all kind of ties back into like, kind of like ancient aliens as well, that they kind of constructed this years ago with this advanced technology that we couldn't even begin to comprehend. And that through that, you know, they've kind I of mean, like... but that wouldn't be the first time that people said that we had earthly or, or like semi-earthly structures created by aliens, right? Oh, it's yeah. Stonehenge a thing. Oh, yeah. So many the things. The, the Nazca lines. Like, so many things, excuse me, throughout history that have been rooted that people think root back to like a greater civilization that maybe isn't from this planet that because there's no way humans could have done that which i have my own criticism about because to me a lot of that stuff is like ruined rooted in like racism like to think that humans especially indigenous on, people indigenous people could not have built you know like oh like you know like these people who like came over mm-hmm. to like the new world they're like there's no way that these primitive natives could have built their this. own math and had their own language there's and no had way. their own architecture yeah a lot of that's rooted in like rooted in like colonialism and like racism, to be honest. But like I said, that's another topic. Uh, but this also ties into like hollow Earth. Like there's people that believe that the Earth is hollow and that there's a a, a giant other civilization that live within the Earth, and that's where you get concepts of like Middle Earth, like from like the World of the Rings. You from get Lord of the Rings. yeah, you get concepts like uh, even is like Harry that Potter. What it was based off of? Hold on, hello, hello. So you're saying that to me? Okay, so you're telling me that Lord of the Rings, when they say Middle Earth, they literally like, what was the name of the guy with the big feet? Uh, um, the, the Balbo starts with a B. Yeah, yeah. The Bilbo, Bilbo yeah. Baggins. Bilbo Baggins, yeah. Like all the, him and all of the other MFers, like they lived in the middle of the Earth, and that's what it was based off of. I mean, in the in the book series. I don't know if, like, Tolkien has ever said that it was based off... We are the wrong off... people to talk about this. Have Tol- you ever read Lord of the Rings? I have, kind of I have, I have. 
But to- okay, Tolkien, well, so. but Tolkien has never said that that his inspiration was Hollow Earth. Like I know he was into like mysticism and like mysticism kind of ties into like Hollow Earth sometimes mm-hmm. if you like look into it because you know they believe that there's like this giant like they call they, there's many names for it. They call it Agartha. There's like uh, Shambhala. You know all these like uh, names you may have heard that they that people yeah, believe. I definitely- that people exist that people think exist within the center of the earth and that it's not just like this it's not just more rock it's not just like magma it is actual civilization there that like retreated you know there was a book series that i uh, read as a teenager that was kind of like that um artemis fowl oh, yeah, you yeah. remember that mm-hmm. where all like the fairies and the goblins and all of them like literally lived in the center of the earth because like they tried to run away from humans because they were overrunning the surface of the earth and so they learned how to like live within the heat and stuff like that now that is interesting yeah yeah i mean like i said that kind of ties back to like this and a lot of this is like old a lot of like old theories of like what the earth was back then like i'm talking about like 14th 15th century and it kind of like it kind of never went away mm-hmm. it maybe became less ma- mainstream but like the idea that there may be something within the earth kind of always existed and that kind of like made its way into like pop culture and to like films and books so like it's, it's a thing for sure like people have always talked about what it what if there is another side of the earth that we're not aware of that's inside um and that, like i said that kind of ties into to the moon being hollow as well so it's a crazy thing but that's what we're here to talk about on conspiracy corner the craziest things you, you've never heard of yeah well, and that was it conspiracy corner yeah all right, so what we have next, the finale, the cherry on top of this podcast is always good looking out. This is where we go ahead and we tell you what we've been listening to, what we've been watching, what we've been into in general. This one is actually for all of my bilinguals out there. And by bilingual, I mean the people that actually like speak, uh, speak and understand or are trying to understand Castilian Spanish. So if you guys go to Netflix, there is a uh, Netflix series out by the name of Valeria. And you know what? I kind of hate myself for only being able to describe certain things in our culture based off of like American things in our culture, like what I just did with the whole like South Park thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of drives me crazy. But to put it simply, Valeria is a story about four friends in the middle of, uh, I think, Madrid, Spain, that are just going through their love life, you know, uh, the main character, Valeria, really wants to be a writer. And so she kind of falls into this thing of basically writing about the downfall of her marriage and how she has an affair with this guy. And it ends up being like a number one bestseller. And, you know, her her other friends are a lawyer and like a marketing agent. It's basically very Sex in the City-esque. And it's very, very brazen in the fact that, you know, you have, you know, your your more scandalous friend you're more uh you're more shy friend like the very like stereotypical like early 2000s tropes of like a friend girl group it very much had that i think what's very refreshing about it though is that it does touch up on a lot of uh topics that i have not yet seen like being touched on in completely uh in completely like Spanish shows, mm-hmm. things like you know date rape, things like um, when when you think about shows like Girls, and when you think about shows like Sex in the Cities, uh, Sex in the City, where they would have complete scenes of like 
the girls, you know, uh, getting serviced, so to speak, by their men. Again, I don't know what is and isn't allowed on YouTube. So, um, kissing. Don't yeah, being kissed very passionately mm-hmm. by their man. Uh, and, you know, the men basically doing all of the work. Like, they have those scenes and they're very brazen about it. And that's something that, for all intents and purposes, especially with, like, Latino or Hispanic, um, TV shows or movies in general, they don't focus a lot of movies and a lot of shows on women's sexuality, on women's pleasure, you know? And so even though this is, uh, even though the very, very much the concept of that with Sex in the Cities, with uh, with girls, with, with even with shows like Insecure is a very commonplace thing here, it's very cool and it's very refreshing to see that, you know, there are shows in Spanish, so to speak, that are basically doing the same thing. So shout out to them. Again, the show is called Valeria and it stars uh, Diana Gomez, uh, Selma Lopez, Paula Malia, and Teresa Riot. So those are the four main characters, Valeria, Lola, Carmen, and Neria. And you know, I mean, if you are a woman and, you know, that's that's your kind of the heck. If you're a man and those are your kind of shows, you know, where you like, you know, just girls getting into debauchery and keeping it real and, you know, like getting theirs. I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, it's all in Spanish. So uh, be forewarned. Uh, be prepared to read subtitles like I have to do sometimes because it's in Castilian Spanish. And yeah, I give it a solid like 7 out of 10 Veronica stars. I've really enjoyed it and it's been an awesome change of pace for what it is. Uh, disclaimer, for people who don't know, uh, Castilian is kind of uh, Castellano. You know, uh, it is similar to Spanish, but it's not Spanish. It's like uh, Italian's not Spanish, but you can still understand some of it. Yeah, I mean, I think sp- the Spanish that we speak, if I remember the technical term, it's like, is Castilian, but then you have, like, the other version where it's like, yeah, it's like, it sound- like you hear it and you're like, oh, that's Spanish, and out of nowhere, they throw this, like, word at you that you never heard in your life, and like, wait, what, what? Uh, so, like, 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 uh, Vettel said, like, some of this stuff, we don't even understand, mm-hmm. so we gotta turn on the, the subtitles to, like, really get, like, the full grip of the show. How, how many, uh, episodes have you seen? I have seen all of the first season, and I'm halfway through the second season, and I think they're getting renewed for a third. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds dope. All right, so moving on to my good looking out. Uh, Taking a little bit of a turn here, nothing TV movie related, but this time I'm talking about- Switching it up. Yeah, talking about some music this time. And uh, this is nobody, they're nobody new, but uh, they may be kind of like new to people who don't really keep, keep up with like- underground the more lesser known artists when it comes to hip-hop so i want to highlight uh stove god cooks out of syracuse upstate new york and uh rome street and rome streets out of new york city tell them how to spell that last one rome streets r-o-m-e uh street spelled s-t-r uh s-t-r-e-e-t-z i almost forgot to spell street for a moment mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so yeah uh rome street stove god cooks two dope artists uh, that really bring back that that grimy early 90 sound. Uh, but oh, you what, know, hip-hop? yeah, 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 mm-hmm. uh, yeah, hip hop, but like updated. Um, so and and the the projects I want people to check out is for Stove God. Check out his uh his only commercial release, uh, Reasonable Drought, uh, completely produced by uh, Rock Marciano. 
another dope artist if you haven't heard of him if you keep up with underground hip-hop you probably know who rock marciano is one of my favorite artists slash producers uh amazing amazing uh project put out by stove god uh just if you like that that really grimy drug talk then you know this is the album for you uh and then rome streets you know he's gonna hit you with like a lot of like uh knowledge base um witty street esque no, no like street talk okay thank god no 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 he, he's he, he's like knowledge is smart about it but it's still that street talk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's gonna tell you like the real what goes on in, in his life and what he's seen uh and the album you should check out with him is his collaboration with dj mugs that from a uh, cypress hill fame you know shout out mugs you know legend uh is the the deaf and a uh, deaf and the magician album which uh came out earlier this year so that one from front to back amazing like i said dark gritty grimy beats so check them chip them boys out um i think rome streets is signed to uh griselda so you know west side gun benny the butcher conway that whole team you had me at benny the butcher yeah and then uh i think stove god is on the brink of being signed to griselda so i don't think it's been confirmed yet but i think there's talk so shout out to them Shout out to the whole Griselda you movement. You said that they've both been making music for a minute, right? Yeah, yeah. Stove God actually used to go by a different name. Uh, and this is kind of like his, like, almost second uh, try at, at rap. Uh-huh. At rap. Uh, and he's, you know, making big waves. And then Rome Street, yeah, he's been doing it for, like, a solid decade, I think, now. So why do you think that neither of these are as uh, have popped up just yet? Oh, because of sound. It's very underground. But... But like uh, we've been seeing the that sound, that gritty, grimy sound, make a resurgence, man. Ever since like Griselda and a lot of other artists, Action Bronson, um, you know, uh, what's my dude, uh, Planet Asia, like a lot of people have been bringing back this sound that people thought would never come back, would never be commercially viable, and will be able to like sustain a fan base, and they've been kind of proven wrong. But, I mean, that's the thing is, especially with music, is that everything's cyclical. Everything's going to come back around, including yeah. that, uh, like, more gritty shit. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout so, out to them. So, yeah, m- maybe at, right now it may not be, like, the artist that people know right off the back. Uh, but trust me, I feel like as, as this sound kind of, like, keeps finding its way more to the surface, uh, this gritty, grimy Wu-Tang, you know, Nas, um, you know, uh, Helter Skelter sound from the 90 is going to, you know, Come back full force. Look at five out of five for both projects, in my opinion. Five so, out of five. Oh, okay, okay. You throw me off every time you do different like scales. I'm like, what's out of ten? Five Mexicano? out of five for definitely definitely magi- magician by Rome Streets and then reasonable drought. Wow. By Stove God. Five out of five. So yeah. ten out of ten for both. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. And that was our show. Me and then thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, I hope that you're really loving the season because we are really loving making it for you. And uh, that's our show. I'm gonna go make myself a chicken sandwich. I am starving. We love ya. My hope is that you see how Spanglish has closed the gap and formed a synergistic approach for communication. Thank you.